welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. So welcome back to episode five of the Diary of of a Sales Expert. And it's been a really interesting to see so many people say they've enjoyed the podcast over the last few weeks. And a huge thank you to you all for your giving me your ears, really. And the insights I'm sharing are, are of use and, and value to you. What I wanted to do this week was to really focus in on some things that really frustrate me and annoy me when it comes to sales uh, and what I see so many people doing on a regular basis that I think is absolutely hurting their opportunity to do really well and win business. And maybe they don't know it, maybe they do know it. Um, But I thought I'd just share with you eight of my biggest sales pet hates. And maybe what I'd like you to think about doing today is maybe have a little think about the sales conversations you've had recently and see whether some of these eight things that I talk about are things that you've absolutely... Um, done. And if you have uh, and you've lost a deal, then maybe connect the dots because one of the key things around sales is that invariably it's not one thing that always makes the magical difference. When I talk to to people and I I look at the sales success I've had over time, invariably it's not one thing that someone has said or done that's been the difference between success and failure. So much of what we do in sales is a what I would call a, a series of credits that we build up. Um, we, I, I did a video on this some time back where I think sales is like a, you build up credits and debits. And if you think about it, your credits are the good things you do, the things you that you do really well that build that trust and um, assurance in the mind of the buyer. But on the opposite side of that, if you also do a number of things really badly, then you also find that, or you make mistakes or do things that can frustrate or annoy or, being honest, really pee someone off, then you're going to get a debit. And the net effect is ultimately when the buyer comes to make a decision, they're going to go through the credits and the debits and they're going to say, actually, which one is coming out on top? And certain things, when I engage with certain people and they do certain things, it, it, it makes me go, actually, that, that's a debit for me. That really frustrates me. They, they haven't thought about that or they haven't taken that into account. So what I wanted to do today is go through eight of them that I think are pretty common. And there's probably lots more. But I wanted to share these eight because I think these are eight that I know people make mistakes with on a regular basis. And maybe if we can get people to understand why it's an issue and what they can then do to try and change that, then I think it will help people maybe get the results and the elements of the world, what they want to do in time. Look, and I'm not saying just, you know, if you don't do these, if you do these things or do the opposite of these things, you'll be successful. There's lots of facets to sales, but these are things that I think are, that just put people off and that I think you really need to avoid and, and, and make sure you're not doing when it comes to your sales activity, whether it's dealing with leads that come to you, inbound leads, or whether it's going and finding the opportunities that you people for people you don't know. So look, let's um, talk through these eight. I'll try and go through them in, in a, you know, I don't want this podcast to last longer than, you know, to last hours because I could talk for hours about this sort of stuff, but let's go through the eight and I'll explain why I think they're, um, they're, 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 they're basics um, and what you need to do to, to avoid them. So the first one is this. 
being late or being too early. Now, I'm actually laughing about this because um, being too early is a really interesting thing as well as being too late. But what I see lots of salespeople who will... And, and look, by the way, things happen, right? A you know, accidents on motorways happen where people are late or, or it, it does happen. And we'll talk about how you deal with it. But being late... Uh, to a meeting that you've got with a new prospect and whether that's an online call or whether it's a face-to-face uh, -face meeting is not a good sign for that person and I, I it does happen there are times when it happens and um, we'll talk again about what you can do if it does happen but the first thing I say is be respectful of not just the you know your time but be of the other person's time that you're trying to engage with and if you've got a meeting book for one o'clock and you turn up at 10 past one, be aware that that person's going to have some frustration or some annoyance that what that's happened and what you've done. And the challenge for them is that that's going to put them on the back foot with it when it comes to you. And especially if you haven't done what we'll talk about, which is to phone or to let them know um, when you're going to be late. So, so being too late is a disrespect of time, and time is the most precious commodity that people have. And so what you need to do is to really focus on giving yourself enough time, and of course, if that's traveling to a meeting, be there ahead of time. If you don't know where the meeting is, be in a position where you, you know, will look at it on Google Maps, for example. Whatever you need to do to, to make sure that you can be there on time. And, 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 but also don't be there too early. So I've had once had a person that came to a meeting in my office and the meeting was booked for two o'clock and they were there at quarter past one. And I was like, that's just really frustrated me because now I'm thinking, and I didn't actually meet them till two o'clock, but the work I was doing, I wasn't in full concentration mode. I, I was actually conscious that this person was downstairs. Now, maybe I should have just said, you know, stuff for them and doesn't matter, but I didn't. I was just aware that they were there and I was aware that someone in my team was having to ensure that they were, um, you know, basically receiving coffees and teas and that sort of stuff. And, and, it, and it basically made me feel quite, you know, frustrated that they were there that early. So I really encourage you to, um, to, not, to not be in a position where you are, too late or too early and if you're early by the way then you know I, I'm, I'm with Darren the, my video editor and podcast uh, you know creator at the moment and he we talked about a scenario a couple of weeks ago when he came to to to, to meet with me and he said oh I'm really early but I've been in a, I've been in a lay by reading a book or, or, or I've been in in, in, a, in you know somewhere around the corner having a coffee that's cool right be early be be in that position where but don't turn up at the customer site and be so early that it means that it feels uncomfortable for them, but also don't be so late that you're careless of their time. Because the small little things do make a detail, and I share at the end some stuff that, you know, to, to, to back this up. But those small things, you know, and what's the ideal time? If I'm meeting someone face to face, I'll generally try and get to their office between 10 and five minutes to when I'm meeting them. So I'm five minutes ahead of schedule. So maybe they've got a reception team, whatever, and, and they will then sort of tell me about that. And five minutes to, I, I sort of expect that. Um, if I'm there 25 minutes early, 30 minutes early, unless you know that person, if they're a lead, if they're a potential leader, a lead that you're working with, just be just be aware of that. And if you're going to be late, and late things do happen, accidents happen on the motorways, on the traffic, and trains are delayed, whatever. If you're going to be late, then have the courtesy to ring 
or to message them and to say, I'm really sorry, I've been delayed in traffic, I've been delayed in this in this area, uh, this has happened and I'm not going to get there till quarter past. But give people notice on that delay. So make sure you give that, you know, if it's going to be, if, if you know you're going to be late, ring them half hour before so they may can carry on with something else. And it just shows that courtesy that you're valuing their time. Their time is important. One of the things I always talk about with sales is if you can't value time, then you can't value money. And so time is a really, really critical thing for us to have and to make sure that you're not too late and not too early. So that's the first um, pet hate that I have that I think is really um, a challenging one. And again, if you are going to be in that position where you're going to be a bit late or early, give notice, tell people, even if you can phone and ring a receptionist to leave a message, just be in a position where you are where you are doing that. So this that's the first one. Point number two is this, and that's spelling mistakes or what I would call capital, you know, spelling mistakes or capital casing. So what do I mean by capital casing? And again, you might, by the way, if you think I'm being really pedantic here, then feel free to say to me, but it's small things. When someone is replying to an email, I have this a lot with people that have been referrals. And what they'll do is they'll get a referral, someone's introduced them to someone, and they're on their phone. Um, They're not at their desk or whatever else. So they'll reply on their phone, for example, because they want to be speedy in response. But what they then do is they literally will put, you know, dear or hi, with a small H rather than a capital H. Now, I'm not a grammar expert. There's lots of people that tell you my grammar isn't the best. Um, I, I wasn't that great at English at school. I did my, I did okay, but I sort of know enough of, and by the way, there are tools like Grammarly now that you can use for this that can actually show you what, where your grammar's failing. But when I see someone that puts hi with a small H and then the name of the person in small letters, I thought, think in my mind, it sends a real worry for me. And I'm going to tell you, it's a small thing. I think a lot of people feel like this. They, they feel like the small details aren't being looked after and it makes them concerned. So rather than rushing into sending that email, just be careful. Look through your email and check that your, you know, the way you're introducing your, yourself on an email is, is, is capital casing. So hi, you know, hi, Stuart. Uh, I used Stuart as, a, as an example because there's a there's a client I referred someone to who got their name wrong as well. Yeah, hi Stuart, you know, comma, you know, end of paragraph, and then great to meet you, and, and just read through it and check that it works grammatically. Because if you start sending a series of texts with lowercase text and you haven't used grammar in the right way, I think it puts a dent in someone's mind. It, certainly, when I see it, it makes me think. Okay, so they're not taking care of those small details maybe they're not taking care of some of the bigger stuff. And there was a brilliant survey done a number of years ago, uh, and I, I believe it was BA that did this, and I, I'll try and find this, the source to, to link it into, into, the, into the link below. What they identified is that, I think it was BA, that this airline did some, some, some basically questionnaires and some surveys with their client base. And what they identified is that they, the clients that, if the tray table in the aeroplane wasn't um, clean, it gave clients and those people that passengers that were traveling with them a concern that if that wasn't clean, then maybe the engine hadn't been looked at properly as well. So what it meant is the small detail around the cleanliness of the of the tray table made people think, well, if they haven't cleaned this, have they done the other big things that matter when a plane's up in the sky, right? And we all know when, when we're up in the sky, anything we want to do is we want to come down safely. Safety is the critical number one thing for airlines. So that survey made, I think it was British Airways, that made them go, wow, we have to make sure we clean the plane 
because it sends that signal to the to the to the to the passenger. And I'm saying to you, spelling mistakes and capital casing sends a signal to your um, to your to your 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 clients and your buyers that you don't really care about the small details. And like I mentioned, I had an introduction that I made to a client of mine in the past, uh, introduced them to someone, and you know I couldn't think of any way worse to handle it. I introduced them and said, hi, so-and-so, and the guy's name was Stuart. Hi, you know, um, the person, I won't say their name. Here's an introduction to Stuart. I think you guys could be good together. And they replied with a small hi, no comma, and they spelt his name wrong. So his name was spelt with S-T-U-A-R-T, so Stuart, and they spelt his name S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And I literally saw the email come back in because they copied me back in on the reply, and I put my hands over my head, and I was like, oh, goodness me. Now, actually, the person that they were, they were engaging with sort of moved on from it, but it was like a 101 of how to ruin a sales opportunity before you get to a, to a point where it... Um, it it goes somewhere. So so look, just be really careful about spelling mistakes. I'm not saying you know sometimes we we look at things three or four times and we can't see a mistake and that happens. And if it does happen, then go back and apologise. I'm really sorry I got that wrong. I apologise I got your name wrong or whatever. But just use the basics of 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 of, of capital casing and and, and grammar. Um, use Grammarly. Tools like Grammarly are there that can helpful and they can do the work for you. But just don't make that mistake. It's a, it's a debit that I think if you add all these debits together can really affect and stop you losing deals. So that's the point number two. Point number three is this, looking a mess. Um, I once had a client, and again, I won't say his name um, because it's not fair on him, and his product that he sold was um, £35,000. It's a swimming pool that's used by people that really triathletes and people that having their, it's like a garage size swimming pool and it's got a machine in there so you can always swim against the, the like a tide that's created in this pool. And the people that he sells it to, if you're gonna buy one of these, you're gonna have 35,000 pounds in your, your, your garden. It's a, you know, it's not the sort of thing that, you know, every every person buys very, you know, to, it's not an everyday purchase. And I used to say to this person, um, Look, it's really important that when you're selling this high value service, that you look appropriate for that. And uh, long story short, every time he, I'd go to see him and we talk about what he was doing in his business and where he's at, he looked like he'd come through a bush four times backwards and rubbed himself in the dirt. And it's because part of what his job was, was to service some of the swimming pools and the things that they worked with as well. So I get the fact that he couldn't look like you know what he wanted to all of the time. But my message to him was was if you are selling a £35,000 product, that is a big investment for most people. And that the way you look and the way you come across is gonna have an impact on the way in which people feel about things. And uh, he used to look a mess and I, and I, I would sometimes I'd sort of go to him and say, you know, he'd say, oh, I've just come from a customer site or a, a, a prospects uh, meeting. And I was sort of like, I'd sometimes look at him in horror going, you haven't just come from there, have you? Because <laughs> you look like a mess. And, you know, okay, oh yeah, I've just come from there. You know, we're busy. I was, I was going to see that person on the way back from a service. And, and so all I would say to you is, I'm not saying you have to be suited and booted and look, you know, posh for, for every meeting. If you're if you're in a, in a service industry, then a nice, smart company-based jacket or a nice, smart, you know, shirt, or whatever, you don't have to look, wear a suit and tie. You know, don't have your dinner down you. Or um, even think ahead, if you're going for a really important meeting, sometimes when I'm going to a really important meeting, I, you know, I, I once had a mistake where I went to an important client meeting 
and I was wearing a white shirt and I had a nectarine and the juice from the nectarine spilled on my shirt and it just made me feel absolutely embarrassed. And now when I'm going for big meetings, I'll even take a spare shirt in the car, but I won't eat nectarines when I'm going into those meetings. So just be careful you don't have your dinner down you or that you... Um, you, you know, you just have some, take some pride in your appearance. Uh, it doesn't have to, you don't have to, you know, spend six hours doing your hair and doing your makeup to make sure everything's okay. But just make sure that you've got that appearance that makes you feel comfortable, that you, you look good. And, and, and I do believe if you look good and smell good, I'm a big, I love, I love aftershaves as a, as a man and I'm very happy to say I've got probably 10 to 15. I, I love the smell of different aftershaves and I love the fact that it makes me feel good. And I think if you feel good and look good, um, then you're going to give your best. So I really encourage you to just make sure that you just look good um, or suited for your market. And if you do look like a mess, um, and, and again, people say, do I do this online? I will happily, I'll wear, you know, most of the day I'll wear a hoodie and slouchies at home. But if I'm going to go into a call, I will put a shirt on because I want the call, a Teams call or a Zoom call. I want to look like I'm professional and, and, and respectful for that audience. So I, I really encourage you to, to think about that. And, and, and once I remember once an, an, at my ex-chairman at my company, I had a, a, a tooth that was chips, you know, long story. And he looked at me and my wife said the same thing. And then actually when both of them said it to me, I realized it was like, you need to get that sorted. You look a mess. And it made me go, okay. And I'm not a vain person. I don't, you know, put, you know, get tweezers on my eyebrows and, and whatever else. But I didn't look right for the audience that I was engaging with. So just be careful about your appearance and what you look and, and have this thing in mind. If you're going to sell this higher value service and you want to be charging a higher price for something, what reputation and, and, and in perception do you give to the person that you're engaging with? And if you look a mess, maybe they'll see that the rest of your service or your product is a mess as well. So that's point number three. Point number four is this, and that's don't look so bloody miserable. I sometimes see salespeople who look like they have lost a pound and found a penny. And the reality is they look miserable and it makes, they've got, you know, the, the enthusiasm levels of a, uh, you know, of, of, of a turkey before Christmas on Christmas Eve. And it's like, it just looks awful. And, and I always say to people, if you can't have some enthusiasm and, and be, you know, and be, be motivated yourself, then why the hell should people want to buy from you and engage with you? And, and, and why should they feel inspired to buy from you if you look like you don't care or don't give a monkeys about what, what, what it is that you do? So, Looking miserable, I think, is you know one of the things that we have to. And don't get me wrong, we all have days when we feel crap. We all have days when we're not at our best. But one of the skills of salespeople and one of the skills of sales is to you can you don't have to be extroverted all the time, but just be able to be um, you know be positive and be upbeat. And if you you know can't feel it totally, then just try and be a bit more upbeat for that person. Even if you're a bit quieter, just don't look like you you've just sucked on a lemon, because that approach doesn't work for 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 people. And it, it, you're, you know, I once read this great quote that is you know your 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 brand is your smile. And actually, if you and I and I sometimes need to smile a lot more as well. I'm aware of that. But if you smile and you see people that look happy and they look positive and they look enthusiastic, it gives that feeling that actually this person's enjoying life and I feel like they're, they're, they're good at what they do. And, and 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 I think when people look miserable and they look like they that life's dealt them a tough card and and, and, and things are tough, then 
do I want to engage? Do I want to engage with people that are mood hoovers, that look down, that look miserable? No, you know. In fact, with the joke, all jokes aside, I have one friend that who is he, he may listen, listen to this. He's the most negative person I know, and he's always a bit dour. But that's his character, and we sort of accepted him. We sort of, you know, we have a bit of banter about that. But if I was engaging with a salesperson that looked miserable, that doesn't want to really be there, that doesn't really look like they give a crap, and 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 they are miserable and uh, then actually my chance of I'm a bit like why should I want to do business with someone so really really be careful about how you you look um, and, and, and your enthusiasm and the way in which you come across to people I think it matters hugely in, in sales and yes of course you're not always going to feel great at, and at your best and, and, and whatever else but just be aware of that just be aware that in certain situations your brand your smile the way you come across that perception is going to make a difference to you. and when you're selling and someone else is buying yes you've had a tough day but it's your job to build them up and look at and support them rather than their job to try and support you and look it does happen when things are tough and something's happened but if something's really negative has happened in your world that is really affecting the way you think then postpone that meeting and say the reason why say actually i've had an incident i remember when my mum passed away a couple of years ago and i had a sales call and i said to the person i'm so sorry but i'm not able in a position to do this today as my mum's really ill and they were really understanding sympathetic and we actually did the business afterwards because it built a rapport with that person so really just be careful about when you're going into conversations if you you know if you're looking miserable even if you try and use that time for half hour to be positive and then cry in the car afterwards or cry you know when you're feeling down that's better than you looking miserable in that sales meeting so that's point number four about looking miserable point number five and this is maybe a pet hate for me if it is if you just one of your pet hates let me know and that's um the way people call people certain words um in a sales conversation before they become a customer. So I guarantee you this, if you ever want to sell to me, and I give you this guarantee 1 million percent, and you pick up the phone and call me buddy, hey buddy, I guarantee you I will not work with you. Or if you say to me, hello fella, I had a guy, I won't say his name again, who used to say, hello fella, and I was like, fella, why can't you just call me James? Or hi Mr. White, or, you know, if you want to be that formal, say, hello, sir. You know, I don't think where you want to be, but just say, if you know their name, hello, James, or hello, Mr. White, or hi there. But he used to go, hi, 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 fella. And I've had a, I had a guy once that rang me up, and I actually, well, I was quite interested, you know, we'll talk about outbound sales in another time. You know, I was actually interested in what they were, he was offering, but he was literally, hello, mate. Uh, I want to talk to you about this. And I'm like, I'm not your, your mate. Mm, it's not. And then another one that made me say, hello, hi, buddy. I'm like, buddy, I'm not, I'm not the guy in Elf. I'm not Will Ferrell, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not, I am not that, that Elf and, and Christmas. It's like, it's just not the right way to approach people. So there are certain salutations, mate, love is another one I've seen people use, buddy, mate, you know, fella. Just be so careful about those terms that you use. And, you might say, oh, you're a bit stuffy, James. You, you know, you're the person that you know, doesn't think this. You know, you're the only person that thinks this way. Do you know what? I may well be. Tell me if I am. But I don't think I am. I think a lot of people get frustrated by it. And it, if you want, why take the risk? If you're not sure, just say, you know, is it a you know, dear so-and-so or hello so-and-so? Hi, hi, John. Hi, Sally. Hi, Paula. Hi, Jack. Um, you know, hi, Mr. Thomas. Hi, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Jones. Whatever. That's a safer route to use. 
And then when you build a relationship with someone, they become a customer, then you can start to tool them. I call people mates that have become customers. That's fine. They've become a customer, but not when you're trying to win business. It, in my opinion, it, it is potentially going to create a debit for you with that person. And again, like I said at the start, if you get too many debits and not enough credits, then you're in, 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 not in a great place. So just be careful about those colloquial terms, um, bait, mate, buddy, fella, um, you know, sport. Someone wants sport. All right, sport, sport. Okay, just, I was like, okay, thanks. Yeah, this isn't working for me. And uh, it's not that I'm some higher class, upper class person that, you know, you know, eats, you know, has a silver spoon in my mouth. I'm not, I'm a working class lad that, that has done okay. But it, it's like, um, just, just think, be careful about those terms that you use and what impact it has for the other person. So, um, so point that was point number five. So point number six on on, on pet hates, um, and this is probably the one of the big things I'll talk about sales a lot over the course of the next you know few years. And I've talked to it already about it for years. Is salespeople that talk about themselves nonstop. Okay, um, I, I call them eleven reefers. Okay, because you talk about something and you've been to Tenerife and they've been to eleven reef. Okay, because they have to outdo you. They have to be the next person on from that. And they and, and they can't help it. Their their ability, their, their their pet hate is that they just want to talk about who they are. And people always think that salespeople have to have this gift of the gab. Well, yes, you're good to be able to talk and think on your feet and whatever else. But incessant talking, narcissistic talking about how great they are and what they do and what's around for them, without being able to add value and to and to, and to engage in the right way, doesn't work. And so if you've got this. Personally, this belief in or way of thinking that sales is all about you talking and you pitching and you telling someone how great you are, then good luck. Okay. And maybe it might get you some success with people. It might bore people into submission. But generally, I don't think narcissistic, selfish people that just want to talk about themselves get sales results or sales success consistently. And by the way, this is something you have to look in the mirror for. Sometimes I like, I like to talk. Definitely those that know me say I like to talk. But when I'm engaging with a potential buyer, I have to rein myself in. I have little egg timers that I use on my desk where I will, and this is a, little, a great little tip for you if you, you can buy them off Amazon or anyone else. And I literally will have a 15 second, 30 second, and a one minute egg timer. And I'm in a conversation and I feel like I'm talking too much. I'll turn the 15 second one over. And as soon as that timer runs out, it's my job to stop talking. So um, stop talking and definitely don't talk about me. And I believe the very best salespeople don't talk about themselves all the time. They talk about those, the person they're working with. They're intrigued, they're in, inside, excited by working with other people. And so just being narcissistic, talking about you. And sometimes we have to resist that urge. We've got something we want to say. We, 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 we've got something that we, we, want to, we want to talk about. And yet we, we, we basically want to talk about us rather than the other person. And there's a, you know, there's a great quote that you know Chesterton once said, there's no such thing as um, boring presentations, just disinterested minds. And when people just talk themselves nonstop, I once went to a presentation with an agency where this guy in Italy, and he was an Italian guy, talked for 45 minutes nonstop about his company and how great they were and what they did and what they were about. And literally, he was on a Zoom call, he was on a Teams call, I think in the end, there was like 14 people had their cameras on, and at the end, one person had their camera on, and he was the person that was part of the meeting. Everyone else actually dozed off, because all he would do is talk about himself. It doesn't work. Um, it, there is a time and place to do it, 
But even then, it's, it's, it's a limited amount of time and place. Just be careful about talking about yourself nonstop. It, it makes you look like an idiot and it makes you look like a careless, selfish salesperson. And most people, unless you're selling something that is so unique as a service and so different, um, it's going to potentially affect your sales activity. So that's point number six. Um, point number seven, and this is uh, a simple one, but a really easy one to think about, is salespeople that don't do what they say they will. So what do I mean by that? Um, salespeople that will, will say to me that they'll get back to me with a proposal on uh, you know, Thursday, and then you don't hear back from them until the following Wednesday. Okay, and again, these small debits and credits. I, we, I'm, I'm chairman of a, of, a, of a fantastic construction company, as well as the the work I do in in my sales business. And um, we met a marketing company a couple of months back, and the guy was really nice, friendly. He was a bit he, he was he used a few of the colloquial terms, but the debit was okay. I was okay because I liked the work he did um, to do some 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 marketing stuff for us. And he said he'd come back with a proposal. We never heard from him. And um, someone followed up with him afterwards, and he actually said to that person, oh, they were going to send me something. And I was like, okay, so it's my job to remind you to do business with us. Right, no, no, sorry, that doesn't work. And um, he didn't do what he said he would, and it left me going now. Even if he came back and said, I want, really want to work with you, brilliant price, I'd be like, mm, not sure I want to work with that person. So, you know, there's a, there's a great phrase I always use with people that, you, you know, to think through, which is, you pod, under promise, over deliver. So if you know you're going to, and by the way, good meeting practice in sales is to summarize what you've done, and we'll cover this off in another podcast, but to summarize what you've done and then and, and put it back to someone. But summarize it and then be in a position where you can um, go back to, if you're going to commit to doing something by next Monday, but you think that's going to be a struggle, tell them it might be next Friday rather than Monday. Because if you, you know, say, oh, I'd like it earlier than that. Okay, I'll see if I can get it done by then. But don't say you'll get it done by Friday. Uh, it'll get it done by, by the Monday and then not deliver it until the Tuesday or Wednesday because it sends those little triggers of doubt in someone's mind. So just not doing what you say you will will erode the trust that your prospect or potential buyer has in you. So just be careful about that. And it's a natural instinct to want us to do something quickly, but just, just be careful because it really, um, it, it really does... You know, have an impact on, on what people think to you and, and it destroys and dents their, well not destroys, but dents their confidence in you. So just be so, so careful about that. It, it makes a, a massive difference. And then the, the final point um, on, on point uh, number, number eight, on which is around pet sales hate, is, you know, uh, and this is probably more relevant in a face-to-face environment, um, but that's just not been being aware of your own bodily situation and your own um, you know, circumstances. So I talked about actually, you know, people, you know, not looking good and, and smelling good, but you know, I, I've been in sales situations where people are literally, they're up close as if they're gonna kiss me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa give me my space, give me my, give me my environment. Now COVID, I mean, we all had two meter rules in COVID and it's not a bad place for us to be, you know, after that, where we give people that space. I remember once this guy, he was so passionate about it. He, was, he, cared, he cared a lot, but he was literally within, you know, within half an arm of my face. And then two or three bits of, you know, phlegm came out and literally, I remember literally getting a camp, you know, getting a tissue and wiping my face down. And the weird thing is, he didn't even notice it. He didn't even notice he did it. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, how do you not notice that you do this? And there are a lot of people that would just be like, get away from me. Or that that interference on people's bodily um, you know, space or their, their, their personal space 
just be so careful about that, especially in net, if you do networking, it's a really interesting thing. Networking is a thing that we do a lot, I do a lot of, and that body language and, and, and your way in which you operate in networking is key. And if you're too close to someone or you, 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 you're getting your bodily fluids, you know, and you're, and you're speaking onto them, it's a guaranteed route to make someone want to, you know, turn away from you. And especially if then you, you, you haven't washed your teeth or your breath doesn't smell great or, or whatever else, it's a guaranteed thing to, to help them think you're not the right person to do a, build a relationship with. So just be careful about people's personal spaces, especially after COVID. There are a lot of people that were really conscious around that and didn't want to, to have other people in their personal space and just be aware of it when it comes to a sales situation. So there you have it. There are my eight pet hates that I think are um, absolutely really you know, critical things that I think that can affect you. Being late, spelling mistakes or capital casing, looking a mess, looking miserable, um, colloquial terms, mate, buddy, fella, talking about themselves, not doing what they say they will, or personal space. So those are the eight that I think are, are, are going to affect your sales opportunities and deals. Now, hopefully you listen to all these and go, I don't do any of them. If that's the case, amazing. You're in great shape, hopefully, to do other things. But if you do a few of those, then just be aware of it. Just be careful about it. Just think about that debits and credits situation that I mentioned. You know, you're literally in a position where, you know, if you continue to do great things and over a period of time, build up a great rapport and do all those things well, you're building credits up. It's going to put in the mind of the buyer. I like this person. I like who they are. I like their company. I like the service they offer. I feel I'm going to work with them. And these little debits can make a difference and we want to avoid that. And that's something that is, that, is, that is really, really, really key. So look, that's my eight things for today. Um, but I always finish the podcast off with an episode with an inspirational story because I'm all about helping you know, inspire you to achieve what you want to in success. Um, and I wanted just to talk today in the podcast around a guy called Ross Edgley. So who's Ross Edgley? Have a look, search him up. We'll put him up. He completed a 157 day swim around Britain. And uh, I've never met the guy, uh, but he inspires me. His story, he basically, um, he, sat, he swam 12 hours a day around the coast of the, GB, of, of the UK. And if you're not from the UK, have a look at the map. We're an island and there's a coastline that goes around the outside of it. And uh, this guy literally had uh, a rotting, his tongue rotted during the t- time period. So many things happened but he um, swam around the whole element of the UK and he's now a, 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 a personal coach or a bodybuilder, a, a body body coach. Um, but, you know, when I see people doing incredible challenges and I'm going to do a podcast episode about challenges, I see people like that and it just inspires me. So have a look at Ross Edgley. Um, there's a link. We'll actually put a link into the into the, the, the notes section below so you can have a look at what he did. Incredible and challenging achievement. Um, I think he was going to say he didn't even touch land for 150 days at a time. Um, that sort of stuff I think is just incredible. So if you want to be inspired and he's um i think from his story was just a normal person that just had a, a mad idea in their head that they wanted to, to go and follow and he did that and made that happen so go and have a look at ross edgley great inspirational story for you to think about how you can be inspired to achieve what you want to so that's it for this episode that's the eight pet hates for me from a sales perspective i hope you've enjoyed it i hope he's given you some insights and thoughts that you can use in your sales um work that you're doing and some things to think about when it comes to to, to achieving the success you want and it's given you the, some some thoughts to, 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 to put in mind that can work for you but um I hope it's been helpful. If it has, then let me know. Um, love you to, to, to share the podcast with others as well that can, can help them get achieve the results they want to as well. But uh, as I say, that's, uh, that's the eight pet hates that I think can stop you from achieving sales results. Think about that, debits and credits. What's going to put debits in the way of the mind of the buyer that's going to put them off you and put them out? You know, Make sure we avoid those so that you can win the business you want. 
So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.